The Gulf Coast Growth Show is sponsored by Chevron Pasadena Refinery and is an extension of the Economic Alliance Houston Port Region, where our mission is to market and grow a vibrant regional economy. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Season 9 of the Gulf Coast Growth Show and uh, and our special Valentine's Day edition, um, <laughs> except for uh, Zeke forgot to remind me, and so uh, I'm without my paint today. But hey, we're here today. I'm with my co-host, Zeke Smith. So, Jason? Glad. It, well, I felt like I haven't seen you in forever. It's been a, a couple of months, and so excited to have you. And then with the illustrious Chad <laughs> Burke. Illustrious. illustrious. Cupid himself. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> And we're uh, we're doing a prediction episode today. We're gonna we're gonna test Chad as to how he did against last year on his predictions. Uh, no, but in all seriousness, uh, we we like to kick off every season uh, really with just kind of a recap of last yeah. year, uh, how the organization did, our, how our region looked, and then kind of your forecast for the upcoming year. Um, and then you know we'll start taking side bets. So it'll be it'll be a good time. So. Yeah, see how good your sources are, Chad. Yeah, but this is a fun one. This is a fun one, and I think uh, from our from our previous discussion, it sounds like I at least hit one of the predictions. Yeah, I think for so. last year, which was I the Cal so. project, uh, which is currently under construction as we speak. That's right. right. So, that's right. So little little crystal ball action. Batting a thousand, buddy. There you go. Yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> um, I really enjoy this uh, this podcast at the beginning of each year with a chance to sit down with you guys and and look back for a year and then uh, and then kind of peek into this next year and see see what what our priorities are what it kind of looks like going forward um and um zeke like you mentioned i always like to start with our mission because that really defines what and why we're doing things um and that's to you know our mission is real simple i tell people they they made it simple because they knew i would uh, mess it up if it was complicated <laughs> right so it's to grow to market and grow this regional economy and and for us that's interpreted as um adding capital investment into the ground in this footprint um, that creates the jobs uh, that drive the economy right so so we work with companies to either expand here or to locate here and so everything that we do if you look at anything that we're doing um, it's going to be driven in some form or fashion to meet that goal of making us competitive and in, in gathering those, getting those capital investment dollars, competing with other sites and locations, um, whether it's whether it's directly in incentives for economic development work on projects, whether it's um, infrastructure that supports our ability to make and move product through this region, whether it's workforce development that helps us build, maintain, and operate the facilities that make those products. Um, uh, or, or whether it's it's public policy that supports our company's ability to prosper in this footprint, and then again, um, uh, quality of life for our local cities, right? Because we want that population to be able to to live reasonably close to where we work, and at the same time, feel that hey, I can raise my family and educate my 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 kids um, in this footprint in a in a satisfactory way. So those are the things that really kind of drive what we do, but it's all towards supporting the mission of growing the economy, capturing that capital investment. So quickly, assuming that our, our, the fans of the show are going to grow exponentially season to season here, if there's any new listeners, you said footprint and area oh, and region yeah. a couple of times. Yeah. What is that for those? The Economic Alliance serves what region, what footprint? Great question. Um, 
So it, it basically is the Houston Ship Channel, the upper reach, the 25-mile upper reach of the Houston Ship Channel. The Ship Channel in total from Turning Basin to Far Bowie outside of Galveston is 52 miles. Wow. But on the upper reach, the upper half of it um, is what we generally refer to as the Houston Ship Channel. And that includes 12 cities that surround that Houston Ship Channel, contiguous cities that surround the Houston Ship Channel. Really, really goes all the way from from as far south as, as Pearland um, and northeast out all the way to Mont Bellevue past Baytown, right? Yep. Um, and and so that is the footprint. Also in our family of kind of um, uh, public um, uh, entities uh, are, is Harris County and then the Port of Houston itself, uh, which is uh, kind of a public-private entity. But, right. um, but so it's 12 cities plus the county plus the Port of Houston. And then in addition to that, it's about 250 companies that work inside this footprint. It's and growing. And growing, and always. Right. Right. Always. So um, If you do a good job, Chad. Yeah. Well, Based yeah. on your predictions, yeah. Chad. Yeah. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure, but <laughs> this year's goal is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's right, yeah. No. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's concentrated, but it's really, and, and I tell people this, it's in that 25-mile stretch is uh, generates um, over 18% of the state's GDP in one small sliver of Southeast Harris County. Um, the, the, the value to our economy is, is really Holy um, concentrated and more so than in really in anywhere else. In, in as far as a concentration of, of economic value, you won't find that anywhere else in the state. So does that even uh, account for, sorry, no, go ahead. No, no, I was, I was about to say that. I said, it's, it's easy to think when you say who we serve, but really who we serve is the state and the nation. I mean, and so yeah, the world, no too, right? No There's doubt. Absolute Largest work. correlation between just this little pocket, yeah. but then this pocket expands all the way uh, from coast to coast, really, when you think about it. Well, and what we make here really does change the entire world because we make the products that go into, um, into everything that we touch um, and consume, uh, whether it's wrappings for, for to keep food fresh, whether it's medical equipment, whether it's automotive, whether it's clothing, whether it's your cell phone, uh, your glasses that you wear, it's everything that makes the quality of life for people around the world mm. and, and raises those people out of, out of kind of a, 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 a poverty situation into kind of the middle class. That's what we make. We make the items that make quality of life better around the world. It, well, no doubt. And I was going to say, in just the port itself, the size, the scale of our port, yeah. items we don't make, we receive yeah. or ship out of, exactly. right? So even if we don't make them here, they're coming in here and they're going throughout the states, right? Yeah, right? That's crazy. Or they're being made somewhere else in a state here or Canada and going out from our port across the globe. So yeah. not just making them and getting them out, but shipping them, but moving, moving the goods, the people to move the goods. I mean, there's, it's kind of a trifold. I was going to ask a minute ago, you know, you said this small sliver, not including the ship channel itself, the, the the pilots, the guys bringing the ships in, like that kind of extends, you know, literally into the sea. Yeah. Not on land, but that's something we we cover as well. So there's probably an economic impact beyond that, right? That we're not even accounting for, which is which is yeah. tremendous. The products we move in and out of here are just people don't realize the scale and scope of what we move in and out of here. The everything from um, agricultural goods, um, we we. We often get a chance to kind of help facilitate solutions around the region just by who we know. We'll get a call from a company and say, hey, we've got a, and this is a real life example. We, we had a call from a member company that said, hey, we're developing this property. Um, uh, it's next to the rail, which is next to the port. And they want to export um, ag goods 
to these three or four countries, and it was somewhere in Europe, right? And um, but they needed uh, they needed the ability um, and the permit to be able to bring their 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 trucks in and out of a road that was really only about about a hundred yards long. They needed about three hundred foot of permit to get in and out of their facility because their facility was adjacent to the rail, right? And so they would rail goods in and and they need to truck their their goods from that from that little terminal if you will over to the port terminal and they had to kind of jump through some 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 bureaucratic hoops to get the permit to do it and they and and they they know that these cities are part of the organization and we have great relationships with the cities the cities understand what our role is and so they call us said, Chad who do you know at this city can you help us make the right contact and so we set up a couple of phone calls and you know Bing, bang, boom! Bob's your uncle. They got their they got their release from the city, and um, and they're off and running. And uh, it, it was it was things like that happen all the time. But it just goes to show all the different goods that are coming and going. It's not just petrochemicals. It's not uh, it's it's ag. It's paper. It's wood. It's steel. All kinds of things that make make the world go around coming in and out of in and out of the port all the time. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah love it. Lots of fun stuff. All right, so we looked back. Let's let's talk about your predictions for last year. You said one of the things came to fruition, so let's talk about that project specifically. It's a massive undertaking, and it was a brand-new company that had zero footprint here, correct? Exactly. One of three um, project announcements. Uh, we call them wins or project announcements that happened last year. We had five total um, that totaled right at about a billion dollars, just a little bit over wow. a billion dollars in new capital. Just a billion. Spread over these five projects. And this one was uh, from a company called Cal, and in Texas, everybody thinks, "What are we? What are we doing with cows?" But um, it's it's Japanese-owned company, spelled K-A-O, and um, uh, uh, they make they they make specialty chemicals and surfactants um, that go into a lot of products that that um, that uh, uh, go into uh, products for consumer goods, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just 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 all kinds of good stuff that uh, a lot of folks are, are familiar with, but. Um, they had no presence here. They bought and developed or are currently constructing this facility about $300 million in phase one. This facility, which um, is situated on the old Sunoco refinery uh, in Pasadena, had laid dormant for over 15 years. Oh, wow. um, and so, you know, we call that a brownfield site, but um, it, it it's a great use of of that piece of property already in an industrial district, and the interesting thing about that was they have a they have a uh, a partner company called e, um, excuse me called um, Ethox. I was trying to get the name right. Yeah, Ethox, um, with their other facility in in the Carolinas, and um, Ethox takes one of the products that they make and they make a different products, and so. They contacted Ethox and said, "Hey, we're going to build this facility. Would you would you guys like to also build?" They sold them a portion of the acreage there, and now Ethox is also building a small facility mm-hmm. to co-locate. And that was one of the one of the second projects that came came from a company that had no presence in Texas before. So, so yeah, last year ended up being a really good year as far as project work goes. Anytime you get five project announcements that we get to work on, and we help them in all kinds of ways, everything from a new road to permitting in fact we got we had we had a follow-up phone call with them just uh just a few weeks ago here in early 2024 um about um, some wastewater treatment um uh, permitting that they were needing to get through with um with harris county 
we make a phone call to our partners at the county, specifically inside of um, Commissioner Garcia's office because it's in his precinct, and his staff, Mike Likes, the chief of staff, immediately connect us with the right people, make the connection with the company and say, okay, here, here's who you need to talk to. Here's the problem that they're looking at. Let's make sure we solve this. And oh, by the way, follow up with me in a week and let me know how it's going. So, Love I mean, it. those Love types it. of support activities are just invaluable for the companies that are that are trying to build a product because every day is money right every day that you're not in production is money so the quicker we can get through that process um, of permitting and, and infrastructure and construction the quicker they get online the quicker they're making money which is what they want to do yeah right I, I love that story you just told because one thing that goes i think underrepresented here is that the organization is politically kind of agnostic, right? It doesn't matter your yeah. political affiliation because everybody here locally, take national politics aside, but local politics, they're for economic growth, yeah. right? They're right. for workforce development. They're for yep. putting people to work. And so regardless of what people may think that majority of our members are one political affiliation and the commissioner may be another or whatever in between, yeah, that goes away. It goes out the door. It's like we're trying to get businesses here to grow, to make goods for our people and get people to work. And that That's is that is so such an important point. Probably one of the most refreshing things about local no politics is when you, when you see them coming together through organizations like this, it's almost like a unifying uh, front, which yeah. I think, think is, you know, pe we need more of that, right? Yeah, we're so, all pro-Houston. We're all pro-Ship yeah, Channel. We're all pro-Ship pro Channel. The, yeah, pro-jobs. Yeah. And, and, and that's why that's why we lead with our mission, right? right. And, and uh, you know, our mission um, is is to grow the economy, and everybody can get into that to that mission, right? I mean, we want to, when, when, you're, when your mission includes creating jobs and quality of life for, for families and communities and, and businesses being able to prosper... <laughs> Like who doesn't want that? Right, it's the right. American dream that we're right. that we are we are the champions of, right? So so it's it's um, like you say, it's not a political organization other than the fact that that we use policy and 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 elected officials and and our governmental entities to help move that mission down the road, sure. right? So it's uh, it's it's fun. We get to work with everybody. And, and man, we've got some great elected officials uh, that that help. Absolutely, us so yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I do want I want to share one story just because we, we were talking about you know opportunities and things that really stand out. I uh, actually had a gentleman reach out to me through LinkedIn that came across our show from the Carolinas, and they run a logistics company, and they're mm -hmm. thinking about expanding out in this market. So I ended up at lunch with a guy, uh, and he was just asking me about the market, and you know they they're actually they have trucks that are coming in and out of here already, but they're thinking about building out a Houston branch. And so I thought that was pretty cool. I was, I mean, the fact that uh, it happens all the time. He was severely disappointed. We realized what I actually did for a living, and that I was of, of no value to him. But, with the, <laughs> but yeah, I'm just kidding. I actually, your values, I, you know everybody. Oh yeah. That's what, what, what actually the cool thing was. I immediately uh, got him a meeting with uh, somebody through here, and then also another member of the organization he's meeting with. So excellent. You know, that was a excellent. that was a victory. That's your value, buddy. You're a connector. I, know, I get here. it. I got it. That's what we do yeah, here. He, he started talking to me about. Yeah, he's like, so tell me about the what's going on behind the gates i'm like well here's the deal <laughs> i've never been going. back there so uh but i hear um but no, I thought, no that's, I mean, that's just to think that our show caught the attention of a guy in carolina and now yeah. he's using that to petition to get these guys to come and build a branch out in this marketplace is, is testament to, the, to what we're trying to do that's a perfect example of how it works and 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 what we're here for hey we had a i think got an email um, early this week, um, today is, you know, we're recording late in the week, but um, about three days ago, I got an email from um, uh, a, a 
lady who is the president of her company that manufacture pharmaceutical goods, she had been in conversation with Senator Carol Alvarado. Carol immediately said, uh, and they were interested in in manu creating a facility, manufacturing facility here in Houston in mm. the Port Region. Carol did exactly what we would want her to do. She said, you know what? You need to call the Economic Alliance. These guys are there for, for that role specifically. And so we connected on, on email and we're trying to we're trying to connect with her um, either this afternoon or next week uh, to begin conversations about, you know, all the, you know, the sites that they need, how many jobs that would create, what kind of capital it would be, um, you know, where they would like to locate, just the whole process, right? So it's exactly, it's another good example of kind of that organic, uh, you know, growth in this region. So are we putting that down as a 24 prediction yet, Chad? Are we, are we, are we confident you can close that deal? Let us have the first full right. conversation before I get I get out in front of that for 2024. So, all right. yeah, I think we're going to have to get with Manny and try to put some type of scoreboard like that, that we can do, you know, like edit into the video, you know, Chad's, Chad's Swami predictions, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I see it happening. Yeah. I like it. Ooh, we get you one of those hats. Yeah, the yeah, swami hat. Swami hat. Yeah, <laughs> let's talk about twenty four, Chad. What do you got? What What are the what, What's some big announcements that may be coming? What you can share with the group for the audience that well, big things coming this year. One thing that kind of, kind of that kind of moves from twenty three to twenty four. At the very end of twenty three, um, we had the conclusion of the TxDOT planning, environmental, and linkages study uh, of two twenty five Highway two twenty five. Right, it stretched actually from from the 146 intersection on the east end all the way to 610 and around to the connection to Highway 45 heading south. Um, that includes the 610 bridge. So that study has been ongoing for three years. It took us about three or four years in conversations with, with all of our stakeholders, the port, the industry, our cities, and the county to, to, to kind of get us to the point where that study kicked off about three years ago. Um, and what it is looking at is what do we need to, to build capacity wise in this region uh, on this 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 kind of um, thoroughfare or this roadway through this region that that really is the most freight traveled region mm. or thoroughfare in the entire state. Um, it's it's south of the channel. It connects to 146, which connects to the two container terminals. It's just north of the Bayport Company's 75 chemical plants there, plus everything along 225. Um, and so uh, at the end of 23, TxDOT um, uh, came forward and, and presented their recommendations from that study. And it included three or four really, really key, um, what I would call wins for the region. So first and foremost, it is, um, it is recommended that they, they increase the capacity, they upgrade 225 and increase the capacity by creating an elevated lanes. So two lanes, both ways, elevated um, in some form or fashion, either in the middle or on the side, the engineers will figure that out. But, but you couldn't go any wider because of the road right-of-way restrictions. So the only option to increase capacity is to, is to elevate. So there'll, there'll be an under and an over um, with hmm. different ramps and accesses on and off um, kind of throughout that 10-mile stretch from 610 out to 146. Um, so that was the, that's the one big thing. Now, that's a, that's a high-priced ticket. You're talking about building almost a 10-mile bridge, right? Parts of it are currently elevated, uh, but it's talking about building basically a 10-mile long bridge. So that's an, that's an expensive project. It'll be in the billions of dollars to do that project. So we've got some heavy lifting moving forward wow. to, to get the funding for that. 
when we when we need projects like that, I go back to that statement we made at the beginning that this 25 mile region here generates 18% of the state's GDP, right? So if we're going to not cut that off and not not strangle our ability to produce that kind of economy, then we need to invest in that infrastructure, right? No right. So that's the key thing that came out of that. Secondly, and in a, in a part of the project that they that they will accelerate is they're going to need a new 610 bridge over the Houston Ship Channel. It needs to be higher to allow larger vessels in, um, which means as soon as you go up, you go wider uh, for the for the for the for the the, the ramps up and down. Um, and then that talk that that moves into how does that Trevor how does that connect into 61045 because if you drive that very often you know that it's like boom 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 you're on yep. 16 bridge you're on 16 all of a sudden you're on 45 so so they will replace that bridge they've already put a price tag on that they're going to start the engineering on that either either late this year or early next year um, I, I'm, I don't have my specific notes but it's either 24 or or in 25 when they begin that project that's i mean it's a it's a bridge um, we know what bridges cost because we're doing a, a really big one on Beltway 8. Um, TechStop put about a $2 billion price tag on, wow. on that bridge, right? So significant kind of decade-long changes, if you will, kind of um, uh, really structural changes to what's going to happen in this region. Right. And then the third thing that really happened that, that we are very also very, very happy about is that um, TechStop recommended um, uh, engineering which they've got the engineering done and now completing all eight of the direct connectors at beltway 8 and 225 at that intersection so that you no longer have to go through you know three red lights to take a left turn uh, to make a, a, a directional change in that intersection i mean that is the busiest if you can't drive that intersection at, at five o'clock on a weekday right right, right. um so um and it's right in the heart of our region so um hmm. and then finally as a as a bonus so these are these are hundreds of millions and even billions of dollars of projects, right? The, 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 the direct connectors of Bell 8, I think they're about, I think they run roughly $40 billion a piece is kind of the current estimate. So times eight, you know, is, is, wow. is a significant number in, in the hundreds of millions, but, but they're, so they're doing really big projects, right? And that one's going to get done. That one begins later this year, right? Crazy. So fantastic news on that one. That one is engineered, um, they have the funding already for the first five. We've got to, we've still got to get some funding for the last three, but I think we know where that money's coming from now. Um, uh, the, the, I guess the icing on the cake or the little tip for the region at the end of the, at the end of the study they said, Oh, by the way, we'll spend $11 million and we're going to repave highway 225 in the interim between now and when they do the redevelopment. Mm -hmm. So next year they're going to, they're going to, do a, an asphalt overlay over 225. So all those chips that you get in your windows um, will be, will be that, fixed for a while. Right. Wow, yeah. So, so that's a, that's a nice little bonus. Cool. That was the, that was the tip for the dealer. Right. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, if you will. Um, so that's, that, that all happened at the very end of 23. So now let's look at 24. So we still have, we've got, that's a win. We still have some work to do in finding the rest of that money. You know, I think, I think the first thing that you'll see is the direct connectors. The the it'll probably go direct connectors, six ten bridge, and then and then sometime within the next decade probably we'll be we'll be able to begin the construction on the on the elevated two twenty five, but that's multiple billion dollars in funding 
away, right? right? So we have to go to work on that. And that means working with our state legislators, working with TxDOT, working with our federal elected officials to capture the money and make the argument that this is necessary for this region. Yeah. So lots of work to do there. So that's that's high on our priority list. In fact, we're going to we're going to highlight um, in one of our, our late summer um, uh, events, um, Eliza Paul and TxDOT and talking about a lot of these projects. So really kind so of is, give is an update. Is TxDOT the, the official people who are the ones who are, I guess, championing to get the funding? Or are they the ones that are that that like like I would imagine to go spend billions of dollars, there's got to be a lot of data to support the need. Yeah. And what it yeah. means to the economy. Yeah. Is when that, that a unified front or is that who's really driving the. Well, in in um, in Texas, in the in the in the road infrastructure game, it is the squeaky wheel that gets the grease. Right. Gotcha. And so it's it's groups like us. It's group like HGAC and GHB and, and um, state associations and regional associations that have to do the advocacy to be able to pull those monies down. It's our elected officials from this region, gotcha. you know, standing on the table saying this is what we have to have in this region because it's important to the state. So TxDOT is is the entity, you know, they'll do the study and they'll eventually, you know, let the contracts and build the roads. They're not they're going to do they're going to do what the 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 state tells them to do. Basically, gotcha. they're not going to go advocate for it. They're going to they've done their work on this gotcha. on this Pell study and said, "Yeah, it's needed and here's what we recommend to meet the needs um and then now now it's back on us and everybody's got to yeah to so, go get the money yeah uh, they're the owner entity but they ultimately the, the state government they're publicly funded right. so, so that's the government. that's the great example of your description of policy right when we mm -hmm. say we're involved we're not really in exactly. policy as opposed to politics because policy is what gets this stuff done yeah right no yeah. doubt so, yeah, yeah. That's love right. it yeah, so that's 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 a big that's a big priority for us in twenty four, and it will be for several years, right? Um, so that's that's a constant for us and one of our one of our top priorities. As far as project work goes, um, uh, Chad Carson, our VP of Economic Development, um, sat down and, and did a fine tooth comb uh, comb over our our current project pipeline. Um, so we we uh, we we kind of made sure that everything in there was was um, accurate and up to date. And, and so going into this year, the new numbers are we've got 21 projects that we're currently working on in some form or fashion that we're trying to land in this region. You know, some of those will fall off. Some of the investors, you know, will say, hey, it's not time or we don't want to do it there. But we've got 21 in the project pipeline right now. It totals about six and a half billion dollars, about six point six billion dollars in potential capital investment, somewhere north of three thousand jobs, potentially with all of that. Love it. Wow. Um, from that. Um, this year, I, I, I will, I will couch it like this. I don't have, I, we're going to have some wins this year. I'm not going to, I'm not going to make a, a prediction on a specific company, uh, right now. We've got some that I know that are going to happen. Um, and we're, we're trying to get in a position where we can help those, uh, help those happen, working with the companies themselves and the cities that they're trying to build in. So we've got some, I think some exciting things that are going to happen, um, I'll say this one north of the ship channel. So that's all I'm going to say uh, on that. Start throwing out a scoreboard. I'll okay. Say, no, 21 projects, six and, <laughs> six and a half billion. That's, <laughs> the number. Yeah. that's where that's, judging that's your batting average now. All right. What, what's interesting though, and this is a dynamic that I think we'll see play out this year. I'd be surprised if we don't get a, at least, at least one win out of this. So that, that 21 projects, $6 billion are, are kind of conventional projects that we work with dominated by the petrochemical industry secondary is going to be something in the supply chain logistics 
The other thing that has happened over the last 12 months now is this is this is a list of 10 different projects that are contingent. Uh, so FID, you know, final investment decision contingent upon government grants. Okay. So I'm looking at 10 projects. The first eight of these projects have DOE grants associated with them. And normally they're anywhere from a hundred million, half a million up to a billion dollars. Right. And, and they're all in energy transfer, carbon capture, um, some sort of hydrogen project, um, uh, those types, those types of things. Then we've got a, we've got a health and human services, uh, grant for a half a billion dollars, um, that, that I'm really hopeful that that one works out. Uh, we've met with the owners of the company. They, they come from Kentucky. It's a family owned business. They want to manufacture here. The reason they want to manufacture here is because their feedstock comes from one of our members, Lion Del Basel. We talked about them last year, right? On this show last and year, so, remember, the Kentucky company. Yep, exactly. And that, that, that we talked with that owner just earlier this month, right? And um, and they feel that in this year, there's a good chance, probably in the first half of this year, that those announcements will be made. Sweet. I feel confident that this this company will be one of those uh, one of those awarded that grant. Um, uh, so fingers crossed on that one. That would be a neat. That would be a neat a neat deal. And then there's um, some from the Department of Commerce as well in the Chips Act. Um, so so trying to get some of that technology back over here. Um, so that's a, that, you know, I hate to hold up a sheet of paper, you know, but that's, that's 10 projects and $2 billion in potential projects that we're not counting in our regular work because it's just, it's a one-off from us. We've never seen federal government come in with that kind of, of grant opportunities and our petrochemical industry lean into that in such a way. So you're kind of seeing the, the, the early days of the energy transition with, yep. with a lot of this, um, with a lot of this federal money. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays. And in an election year, uh, and this is me being cynical, I think some of these are going to be awarded in an election year because that's how the federal government works. Mm -hmm. You know, they're like, Hey, we want to, we want to do some really good things right before the election. And this is, so I think some of these are going to be awarded and announced this it's year. It's funny. You just answered the question I was about to ask, which <laughs> what we got done was how, what does it look like in election year? So, well, there's more favoritism and leaning towards stuff actually getting done. Is what so you're saying. So from the from the government side, yes. Yeah. So I think some of that money is going to come out. Okay. The other side of that coin is, and this is direct quotes from 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 a lot of the industry experts, and we're going to hear this again in our in our economic forecast um, here in about six weeks. Um, in the petrochemical industry, um, facing you know, narrower margins um, now that we are in, in a, a slowdown, whether it's a, called a recession or not, um, uh, we anticipate kind of a pullback on capital and private money, capital investment on major projects over the next 12 to 18 months. Okay. Um, it, it, it is what it is. It's cyclical. Um, most of the companies are looking to just kind of um, keep the money in their pocket and ride through this for, for the next 12, 18 months. Um, but with an eye on on where we're going to be two years from now, right? Um, and so uh, the other the other, so you've got that kind of economic pullback, you know, with interest rates and money mm -hmm. accessibility and and margins on products that that are that are that are tightening, um, and then you compound that with it's an election year, and every four years, 
uh, the, the things that, that slow down investment are uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And so we're looking at, you know, 10, 12 months of un- uncertainty until we know what's fixing to happen. And so you'll see people hold on to their, their large capital investments until they, until they, until the outcome is there. And then they feel that they can say, okay, here's the direction we can go. We feel good about this or no, we need to hold back on this. So every four years we see it in our cycle of capital investment that on an election year, money tightens up and it just slows down a little bit. And then once the election passes, then people have some certainty in which direction they're going to go, who they're going to deal with at the, at the, at the DC level. And then, and then they can move forward. Right. So, so not, not, you know, it's, it, it is what it is. It's the economy that, that we deal with. It's not the roller coaster that the upstream oil and gas, you know, rides with, with oil prices. Um, but it is, but it is, it's a smaller, it's a smaller sure. dip and, and rise as we, as we continue to grow this economy here. So that's, that's, that's the prediction for, okay. for 2024. And specific to what you were mentioning, there is a fantastic economic update from Patrick Jankowski in six weeks. Yep. 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 And, uh, um, so stay tuned. And combined with that this year, for the first time, we're bringing in the, uh, the experts and economists from the industrial information resources to do so patrick will do his macro look at the greater houston area and then following that in the same meeting we'll have um, some really deep dive micro look into the petrochemical manufacturing side of the business along the gulf coast here so it's kind of a it's kind of a hey what's greater houston at the macro what are jobs you know what are housing starts you know those types of things Um, and then we're going to dive into our specific industry, which is the, the kind of the petrochemical manufacturing side of the business. So it gave me horrific flashbacks from college with macro and microeconomics. Like, oh God, you know, like, <laughs> I love it now, but in college I was like, oh, I don't know the difference. I, yeah. you know, so. See, you say that, 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 those two classes are literally the reason that I ended up getting an economics degree because I enjoyed them. Yeah. <laughs> well, and now I do. It's just so interesting. Like I, now I'm, you know, I want to be there and I want to hear about it. It's just, it's, it's so interesting how college changed you. But anyway, I just like, I was like, oh no. Bad flashbacks, but so any, as we yeah, wrap so up, any, yeah. anything else that you want to, you know, the other thing that I would say in 2024, um, uh, look, we, we have, um, we have just been really fortunate early in this year to confirm some fantastic speakers for all of our events, including our next procurement forum, which happens in May. We've got a full lineup with some great speakers and companies. Our women's leadership lunches are going to be phenomenal this year. We have three of those, um, each year. Uh, they sell out every time. I mean, between 450 and 500 attendees to these. And our first one of the year happens April 24th. Um, and the, 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 the guest speaker is Hannah McNair, uh, the vice president of the Houston Texans Foundation, wow. right? And, and if you know anything about football and the Texans, Hannah's kind of running the show, uh, if you will. Um, and she's phenomenal. And then she's going to be in a fireside chat, um, kind of moderated by Janice Burke. No relation. Podcast guest, Janice Burke. We, right. Yes, we, we've got her on the list. Um, but Janice awesome. um, uh, is executive director of the Harris County Houston Sports Authority. And she's going to she's good friends with uh, Hannah. And there she's going to help moderate a little fireside chat. It's the day before the draft, too. So it should be interesting. That'll be really cool. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. So yeah, anyway, so lo- lots of great things going to happen this year. It's going to be a fantastic year. Fantastic. Love it. Yeah. Awesome. Love it. Well, hey, as always, we uh, we look forward to the annual recap and review uh, for the upcoming year. And so excited chat, about chat. that. Chat, <laughs> chat. Yeah. Chat, chat. Um, and, uh, and then again, no, no 
no pressure, but we'll be uh, we'll be testing you out at the end of next season. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's how you. I think we'll see a couple of nice wins. So I'm looking forward to, it, and we look forward to. It. And thank again, thank you for all that you do for the organization, for the community. Uh, you've built a phenomenal team, and uh, and there's no reason why you're regularly recognized one of the top CEOs uh, here in Houston because of the great work that you do. So we all yeah, appreciate you, appreciate the kind words and appreciate you two guys doing this for us. Y'all are y'all are pros and and uh, do a fantastic job at this. So we we this is invaluable for us. So we really appreciate it. Appreciate well, thank it. you, and to our audience, we always appreciate you guys for tuning in. Stay tuned next week. You can subscribe to us at HoustonPortRegion.com. And stay connected to us. And anytime you want to get plugged in, reach out to myself or Zeke on uh, on LinkedIn, and uh, we'll we'll stay connected. So we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in, and be sure to go to the Economic Alliance Houston Port Region website and subscribe to our channels. And let's pay it forward by sharing the good news of what's happening in our region by passing this episode to somebody you know.